Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chris Brown. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. Is this mic all right? I thought there was another one that just disappeared, but um, all right, I'm going with this. This good? Happy with this? Great. So um, I want to uh, share something with you uh, from the Bible. Anyone think that's a good idea? Hudson's already told us that the Bible's good uh, to read and attend to. And in fact, from the Bible, we get a lot of inspiration for the songs that we sing, uh, rather than someone just you know, sitting by the beach with their guitar and writing whatever comes to their mind. Uh, These songwriters from all around the world, the songs that we sing, are usually based on something that God has said and that we can then sing in tune and in line with the will of God. And that's why it's a special kind of experience to sing in church and to sing worship songs rather than just, you know, songs from the radio or a band or whatever. And, uh, and so the song we just sang, if you just want to look at those words again, uh, has some great words. Our God is a lion, the lion of Judah, roaring with power, fighting battles, every knee will bow before him. The next passage, you won't remember, says that God's a lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world, breaking chains again. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Well, If you've been around church for a while or if you've been reading your Bible, you'd be familiar with that language, that imagery. But if not, you might think, what is all that about? Because God being described as an animal sounds a little weird. You might think, what's going on with the lion and the lamb thing? Because those animals are really quite different. And uh, and if you were asking those questions uh, when you sing that song, then I'm glad you're asking because the answers are found not only in the Bible but they're also pretty much the answer to those questions are the essence of the Christian message that I want to look at because in the Bible Jesus is referred to as both the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. In the Old Testament uh, you know there were a number of tribes of the nation of Israel. They had 12 different tribes. One of those tribes was Judah and their symbol was a lion and uh, that was the tribe from which Jesus was descended when he was born on earth. Uh, And it was also a prophetic symbol or a symbol that looked to the future of Jesus and his ministry. Because lions, as you know, are known for their strength. They're full of dignity. They're, They're the only animal who is completely unafraid of any other animal in the animal kingdom. Uh, and so their commanding presence earns them this title of you know, king of all the animals. Well, Jesus is referred to in the Bible as the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is God. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, awesome, feared, respected, but in a good way. You know, when we hear and think of someone with a lot of power, sadly with human history, we tend to think of someone who's just evil and and controlling and domineering for their own benefit with their use of their power. But God's really different, and Jesus is all-powerful, amazing, and yet all good. And um, do you remember the, um, 
the Narnia Chronicles, which you know were a bunch of books written many years ago by C.S. Lewis, Christian guy, and of course they've become very popular because they made movies out of them. And as you know, in that uh, whole series, Aslan is a character who is a figurative representation of Jesus. And of course he's a lion. And you might remember that in the story, the children who go into this other world behind the you know, wardrobe, uh, they hear about Aslan and they talk to the animals who all talk back and uh, they hear about Aslan and ask about him and everyone speaks, all the animals speak about Aslan with great fear and awe. And to the point that one of the kids asks one of the animals, uh, well, would it be safe to actually meet this character? And then the famous reply is, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And I think that says so much about God. And Jesus, you know, isn't just that little baby in the manger that we see pictures of at East, at Christmas time. And he's also not just a, a man broken on a cross, dying as we see at Easter, but he's risen from the dead and he is God and he was God when he was here on earth. And and he's full of great power. And in fact, in the same series of books that uh, C.S. Lewis writes, when the children meet Aslan, we read this. I have come, said a deep voice behind them. They turned and saw the lion himself, so bright and real and strong that everything else began at once to look pale and shadowy compared with him. Isn't that cool? That's, that's Jesus. Everything looks pale and shadowy. Whatever the world offers, whatever you get to experience in this world is kind of beige compared to Jesus. You know, he is brilliant and awesome and powerful and, and bigger and better and greater than anyone or anything else around us. And the amazing thing is that he's also loving and wanting to be involved in the affairs of mankind. So much so that he came to earth. So let's look at this passage that talks about that from the book of Philippians. Because here's Paul the Apostle writing after Jesus has come to earth, died on the cross, been risen from the dead, gone back to heaven. And Paul's writing to churches, and this is a lot of the second part of the New Testament, writing to different churches in different parts of the world. So there's a place called Philippi, which you can still go to. And he wrote this book called the book to the Philippians. And he writes in chapter 2, verse 6... Talking about Jesus, he says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at every name sorry that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father so those last couple of verses you'll remember that's what was used in that song and Jesus will come again it's called the second coming and at that point He'll come as the Lion of Judah. He will come in great power, with great authority that everyone will recognize and respect and every knee will bow before the King. Every tongue will confess 
whether they want to or not, that he is Lord. Whether they confessed it earlier, whether they decided to make him Lord, they'll all realise, oh, oh, now I get it. And a little too late, sadly, for some, but he'll be seen as the Lord. But when he came the first time, why didn't he come as the lion? Why didn't he come with his power and show him and show us this full position of complete authority? Because it says in that passage, he came in such a humble manner. And if you know the Christmas story, there he is. He was born as a baby. Though he was God, he came and was born as a baby and lived as a man. Though he was God. It's like God, but with skin on, as they say. Just in 100% man and 100% God at the same time. And why did he allow himself to be executed just like a common criminal? Because the cross, as you may know, was a painful death and it was just the means of execution used at that time so this is where the lamb image comes in because when jesus began his earthly ministry at the age of 30 he came on the scene and just when he was about to start preaching and teaching and healing the sick john the baptist saw jesus and he said this and it's recorded in the book of john john's gospel and i think we've got it up here on the screen It says, uh, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he cried out, behold, or look in the modern translation. The old translations say, behold. It's kind of a cool word, but it exclamation mark. In other words, come on, everyone take note of this. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who's far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Wow. All the Jewish people would have really taken note of what John just said because they'd been waiting for thousands of years for the Messiah, the promised Savior that God would send. They didn't know exactly how, when he would come, what he would look like, but John's now saying, here he is. Not only that, but for thousands of years, they'd been sacrificing lambs. And he calls this Jesus the Lamb of God. And so those that were clever enough would start connecting the dots. Because the fact is, we all do some things wrong. Come on. Uh, And the Bible says we have all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. We don't like that word sin. It sounds all very old-fashioned. But you can just say a poor choice. I've made a mistake. People say that these days. Look, I'm just a victim of making a poor choice. Well, call it what you like, but we're sinners. You know, we do the wrong thing. And, uh, and because God is so perfect and holy, this is a big problem for us to be in relationship with him. So justice demands some kind of punishment for our wrongdoing. And that is justice because you know if you've been a victim of a crime or some family members of yours was, was uh, a victim of a crime and you went to court, you would want someone to take some kind of consequences if they found out who was guilty. They wouldn't, you wouldn't want to hear them say, look, you, you, know, you murdered this person but you said sorry, so all right, off you go. You think, hey, that's not justice. So justice demands punishment. Uh, and so in the Old Testament... They had all these sacrifices and a whole series of them and lambs were used primarily 
and, uh, and God would look the other way. The, the sin would be covered over, so to speak. They, there'd be a temporary covering or dealing with the sin so that people could stay in some kind of relationship with God. But it was very temporary and it, it just wasn't good enough. And so this is why Jesus came. This is why he left heaven, came to earth, allowed himself to be crucified on the cross because he became the perfect sacrifice for all our sin. And that's why he's called the Lamb, the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb, and not just to be sacrificed over and again, but just once for all the sin of all mankind for all time. And it means that anyone who believes in him, anyone that follows him, anyone that does what Linda did all those years ago that we saw on the video, and even if they don't fully understand, but they just say, okay, I mean, she's out the front, she's a little confused, but something's going on in her heart, and she's saying yes to Jesus. Whatever that may be, we may not fully comprehend, but our spirit is responding to this call of God and we feel a beating going on in our heart. And anyone who does that, Jesus said, you get born again. You get a brand new start. You get forgiven for your sin and all our sins are forgiven and forgotten in the sight of God. All because Jesus came and said, I will be the lamb, the perfect lamb. And, uh, and so it's an amazing sacrifice that he brought and gave. Do you remember cassette tapes? Young people, there were these things called cassette tapes. Now, I think you think I mean CDs, right? Because they were really old-fashioned. But even before CDs, way back in the last millennium, there were these little plastic cassette tapes, which we thought were super cool, and you could listen to things. And um, not just music, we had preaching. And... Um, uh, oh boy, we used to get our records and sit there and record the record in real time with the cassette tape and then pause it and then you say, well, I don't want that track, so I'll pause it. You'd sit there for hours and hours and write your little, remember that? And then you could play it in your car. And my brother, he had a, he had a, a bomby little cassette player. He used to go down to the snow and he'd leave early, early in the morning and he'd go skiing. And he didn't have a radio in his car, but he had a tape player. So he used to record Double J. They didn't have Triple J back then. He'd record the radio the night before or the week before, you know, and then he'd play it on a tape. And so he'd have the radio going just to keep himself awake. So these are... Uh, but, you know, one of the things tapes gave us was, uh, was preaching. And I had for many years, and sadly I've, I've lost it, um, a great, I had lost all the tapes, or I don't know what happened to them, but uh, T.L. Osborne was a great preacher, and uh, if you've never heard him, you've got to look him up on YouTube and you'll get some clips, but sadly not the clip that I'm thinking of, because I have to go by memory when I think of this amazing passage. He preached about the sacrifice of Jesus. He was an American evangelist, you know, with the, the big hair and, and all that, but incredibly real and down to earth and sincere we heard him preach in sydney in fact a friend of mine had lunch with him made an appointment to see him in tulsa oklahoma in america and thought oh this will be a big deal this guy was a big deal got to the address found it was tl's tl osborne's own home and tl answered the door and brought him in and made him lunch and sat in the kitchen with him he thought he was getting an appointment at the office and go through you know 10 minders and all that. so he's very sincere he only passed away a few years ago preached his whole life right into his 80s and um, he used the story of spartacus when he talked about the sacrifice of jesus and uh you may know that spartacus was the slave gladiator who escaped uh and led a rebellion of slaves against the roman empire way back 
you know, in the time of Jesus, around that time. And he started with about 70 men, but they roamed the country and word got out and slaves escaped and joined them and their ranks grew and they ended up becoming part of the, the third servile war, I think it was called. The, the Roman, it was like a real battle for the Roman Empire and they had tens of thousands that you know, joined their rebellion. They lasted for about two years, but finally, of course, they were defeated. They were crushed and punished famously uh, with crucifixion. Uh, which, as I said, was the, the means of execution for common criminals. And, um, and, and though I lost this tape, I can still hear TL's preaching on it in my ears. And you'll forgive me for doing a TL impersonation, but if you don't know him, you won't know how bad it is anyway. But he had a distinctive voice, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and he said, um, you know, he, talk, he said, Spartacus, um, and he's just such a powerful uh, uh, emotive passage that he preached on um, said something along the lines of uh, Spartacus tried to bring about freedom uh, and for a while they held off the great Roman army uh, but it was all in vain 6,000 slaves crucified on the Appian Way but my eyes looked to another hill one lonely man he did not deserve to die we deserved to die he was not sick we were sick and he was crucified for us and you know he went on like this and and uh that's our message that's what we live for you know and just uh, uh and the fact is you know many people like spartacus have given their lives for a cause that they believed in we appreciate soldiers you know when we think of the anzacs who died paying the ultimate price for our freedom as a nation but Jesus brings freedom to everyone eternally beyond just political boundaries beyond just a physical freedom that you can experience for three score and ten or whatever but for the rest of eternity freedom from sin freedom from death freedom from a sense of living without meaning and as T.L. Osborne used to say Christianity it's not a religion it's a it's um it's a life, the life of Jesus living through his followers. And that's all it is, the life of Jesus inside anyone who will connect with him. And, uh, you know, really, that's how I became a follower of Jesus. I never thought as a young man I would ever be doing what I do these days, pastoring a church. In fact, I had never been to a church service until I became a Christian. I had only been to a couple of family weddings and christenings. I had no understanding of church life. Uh, but do you want to hear? Can, you got time? It's only taken an hour or so. I'll tell you how I became a Christian. Uh, you know, like a lot of young people, I was full of angst and anger, uh, angry with the world, angry with teachers, poor teachers. You know, all the teachers. Come on, teachers, give us a wave. We think you're awesome. Come on. Chris, you know, some kids just hate you. And you don't deserve it, but you're just a position of authority and you're telling me what to do. You know, and so I had that attitude and I was angry and, and depressed and confused and all those things. Uh, and I had had, I remember the year seven Gideon's little Bibles they gave us, little colourful things. And I'd looked at that and I'd thought about God and I knew God was out there somewhere. I had been to scripture at school a bit and sort of heard something about God 
We used to actually, we used in year six, I remember we used to have to say the Lord's Prayer before school every morning, old time, old school teacher. So I learned the Lord's Prayer. Didn't really know much what it meant, but just something about God. But then one day I was about 15 at school and a friend of mine came to me and something was very different. I saw a light shining in his eyes. He was full of something and it wasn't drugs. It was, it was just something real and fresh and he told me it was Jesus and he said he had met Jesus, Jesus was real uh, and, and I need to give my life to Christ and, and he told me the words to say and I just thought, wow, this is real, something's really going on. He said, I got, this is the meaning of life, this is going to change your life, this is what you need. So I went home that night, knelt by my bed and prayed the prayer that I was told to pray and nothing happened. And I thought something was meant to happen. I don't know what I expect. I thought there's got to be a thunderbolt or lightning or voice or something. And I remember thinking, I oh, know I get it. God's really busy and maybe the line was busy because there's a lot of people. So I'll try it again. So I prayed the same prayer for a second time and still nothing happened. But of course, something had happened. It just happened spiritually, not physically. And I realized that and realized it was a walk of faith not just by sight, just by seeing physical uh, demonstrations of God. Uh, but I began to live for Jesus and, uh, and, se- and felt a sense of purpose and meaning and uh, told my mates about what I'd done and dragged them along to church and to the youth group because I didn't want to go on my own. That was my main method of evangelism, bringing a friend because I was too shy to go by myself and a couple of my mates were like oh all right then and then they go along and I here listen to that bloke out the front and do what you do as you're told do what he says you know oh wow sounds right sounds good you know and uh, and so some of my mates all got saved and uh, and that was that was a long time ago it was nearly 40 years ago but I'd say it was the best decision of my life and um, and, uh, and I, I got to tell you this Maybe I've told, forgive me if you've heard this before, I'm, I'm sure some of you have, but you know, we, we, we got into the book of Revelation and, uh, and it freaked me out, but, but kind of in a good way, you know, like what do they say, it scares the hell out of you, uh, and, and in a positive way, uh, and then we were reading all about the end times, you know, and Jesus is coming back, and, and then we saw at the youth group a film of um, the rapture, which is, you know, before Jesus come back, comes back, the, the Bible tells us that all the believers will disappear instantaneously from the face of the earth and we will go to be with the Lord and then he'll come back in power with all the believers and the armies of heaven and, and so they made this film where um, this guy wakes up in the morning and he goes to clean his teeth and he turns around and his wife's gone. He's like, well, where she disappeared? And he goes out on the street. And there's other people walking out on the street going, what? Some, my, my husband's just disappeared. What? what? And then it's on the news. Thousands, millions of people disappeared. What's the planes have crashed. What's going on? Oh. And it's the rapture. And he thinks, oh, no, I thought I was a Christian. And I'm not a Christian. And then he goes to the church. And there's the minister. And we're all watching this and they're like, and it turns out the minister's like backslidden and so then they go, okay, well, we really missed the boat, didn't we? But, but now, you know, we've got to decide whether we're going to take the mark of the beast. And then this world governing uh, army, you know, police force starts coming around saying you can't buy or sell. And this is in the scriptures, in the book of Revelation, uh, that, you know, everyone will have to have a mark and the mark, if you calculate it properly, will be 666. You've heard that number, you know, the mark of the beast and you need to take it on your body and you can't buy or sell without it. And that's why 
you know, people always concerned about electronic point of sale stuff and how far it'll go, you know, passing a card. But what if we get an imprint or a chip or something inside it? And so this guy's got to decide and they're going to, they're rounding him up and it's all very dramatic. And then at the end of the movie, he's just about to get shot or decide whether he's got to take the markers away. And then he wakes up and it's all a dream. And he gets up and goes to clean his teeth and turns around and his wife's gone. So then it's, and then the movie finishes and we were freaked out. We were like, oh, it's all going to happen. The world's going to come to an end, you know. So get this, that was a Friday night. We walked home. We used to walk from Kleine Heights to Forestville about three or four kilometres and we'd walk home, we'd talk about it and, you know, we're like, oh, we, you know, make sure we're following the Lord. And then on Monday morning, there were four of us, we'd all meet on the way, three of the... Two of them went to one high school and two of us went to another high school, but we'd all walk together uh, and pick each other up at different points. So Nick would go past my place at 10 to 8 and then we'd pick up Paul at 7 to 8 and then we'd go past Simon's place at 5 to 8 and then we'd all walk down and catch the bus at 5 past 8 or whatever. And Nick, who's you know, a really switched-on guy, is now a doctor of physics, you know, super punctual, the nerd of the group, you know, and we all got saved. We're all following the Lord and it all been to that thing. He didn't get to my place at 10 to 8. And it's not like Nick to be late. And I thought, well, I I can't wait because I've got to go a few hundred metres around the corner to pick up the others. So then I go around the corner without Nick. Paul's not there either. And you know what I'm starting to think. I'm like, oh, don't be ridiculous. But Nick's never late. Paul, okay, Paul's often late, so it's no big deal. That's Paul Van Essen, the guy that preached for us, and you guys know who I'm talking about. And he's the, guy, he's the guy that told me to give my life to Christ, and he preached for us a couple of years ago, and he passes a church in London. And he's an eccentric, brilliant, you know, jazz pianist, preacher, you know, time. What's time? Watch. Oh, who, who, you know. So he, he was late, but that was no big deal. But Nick was never late. And Simon was usually not late, and he also didn't show. And so I am then walking for 10 minutes to the bus, and those 10 minutes were the longest 10 minutes of my life. And I'm thinking, oh, don't be ridiculous. What do you mean, don't be ridiculous? You saw them, you've read the book of Revelation. It's happened, you idiot. You've missed the rapture. You thought you were Christian, but you didn't really give your life to Jesus. Oh, no, you're just toying around. They were sincere. You weren't. They're saved, all three of them. You sucker. You're going to you're gonna take the mark. You're going you're gonna to lose your head. This will test you now. Oh, oh I'm free. Out, you know. And then and then I remember there was a girl who was a Christian who used to catch the bus. And so when the bus finally came, about ten past eight, you know, I got on the bus, uh, Margo, hello, ah! and I, I remember touching her. I remember getting on the bus going, Oh, good morning, good morning, ah, ah! and I just touched it and know she's real. Ah, ah. Did you read your Bible this morning? You're a Christian? Love the Lord? Yes, yes. Oh, good, good, good. And she thought. What's wrong with you? And then, uh, you know, and then I got to school and there were some other Christians there. And then later that afternoon, I must have met the guys or rung them or something and said, what, what happened to you this Trying to be cool. What happened to you this morning? <laughs> you know. Anyway, so uh, I didn't miss the rapture. And don't you. <sighs> and the fact is, all you've got to do is decide to follow Jesus. You don't earn it. It's not being good. But as that scripture and as that song says, Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And we get to decide better now than later.
Because as they say, you know, if you're born again in Christ, you, you know, what do they say? If, you, if you're born twice, you'll die only once. But if you're born only once, you'll die twice. In other words, you, you'll die spiritually, not just physically. But if you're born again in Christ, you'll die physically, but you'll go on to live forever in eternity in the glory of God. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.